He is alive and we are free. Amen? Amen. John chapter 20 records one account of the resurrection. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have seen the best are those who have not seen and yet have believed.
Who are you looking for? If you've taken him, tell me where he is. Mary. Teacher? Go and tell our brothers. I am here. Open. He's alive. That's not possible. I saw him. Mary, maybe it was someone else. You think I'm mad? Peter, see the tomb for yourself. Now, do you believe me? But he's gone. Gone? No. He's back. I need a cup and some wine. What happened? His body. His blood. I am the way. The truth. And the life. back amen the story of easter is so incredibly powerful this single event literally changed the course of human history the world has never been the same since that day 
nearly 2,000 years ago. No other event in history can even come close to comparing with the impact of Easter Sunday. Even those who hate Jesus or deny Jesus would have to acknowledge the impact that Jesus has made. Politics, culture, the arts, civilization itself. In fact, even our calendar is completely different because of the impact of Jesus Christ. The way we even interact with one another and treat each other has changed significantly. The way that women are treated in the world has changed massively. The way that races interact with one another all throughout every aspect of civilization, there has been significant impact because of Jesus. More than any other event in his life, the resurrection defines Jesus. It is the most important event in the most important life in history. But I'm not concerned today about the big picture impact on the globe so much as I am to zoom in on the big picture impact that the resurrection has on your life. So today, as you may have heard, I want to answer the question for you. What does the resurrection mean for me? What does Easter mean for me? Is it more than my favorite candy? Is it more than some kids running around hunting eggs? Is it more than an excuse to dress up? And we're not the most dressy church, as you probably picked up on, but there are like five people with ties on today. That might be a record for us. Uh, so we, we did it right, uh, a few of us anyway. Uh, but <laughs> even if you didn't wear a tie, that's okay. Uh, but What is Easter? What does it mean for you and for me? Well, there are many implications of this. In fact, the the Bible is full of the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want to present to you today three of those. I want to give you three what I believe are are the most essential for you and I to, to understand, to grasp a hold of the implications of Easter. The first thing that Easter means for me, the first thing that it means for us is this, is that Easter for you means that you are infinitely valuable. You are infinitely valuable. See, when I was a kid growing up, I was a huge sports fan. In fact, I still am. But one of the ways that I fleshed that out when I was a kid is I collected sports cards, baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, any sport. I really, really locked in on football cards. They were my favorite. And I would collect these cards, and I would get the price guide to see how much they were worth, and I'd be super proud because this card is worth $2.50, right? And I'd get so excited, and I'd go tell my dad, Dad, this is worth this, this is worth this, and, and this card that you see on the screen, that's a 1989 Barry Sanders rookie card by the score company. Uh, I had two of those, and at one point in time, I remember very specifically, right around 93 94, they were worth $30 a piece, and I thought I was loaded, I had it going on. I had two football cards worth $30. It was going to pay for college or something. I don't know what I thought. Uh, Unfortunately, one of those cards got stolen. uh, And the other one I I took and I I turned it into something. I traded it for my very first Nintendo. Uh, So I got my first video game system for my Barry Sanders rookie card. Uh, It was a good deal for me. I was pretty happy with it. Uh, But my dad would say this one thing every time I would tell him my Thurman Thomas card is worth $12 or Deion Sanders is worth $15 or Whatever card it was, whenever I assigned that value, he would say the same thing, and it drove me crazy, but it was so true. He would say, Troy, that thing is only worth what someone is willing to pay for it. doesn't matter what that book says. doesn't matter what a number assigned next to it is. It's only worth what someone is willing to give you for it. And I want you to know that is fantastic news for you today. 
Because the highest price, the greatest price that could ever be paid was paid for you. The God of the universe, the one who created it all, the one who has it all, the one who understands more deeply the, the way that the universe works than anyone ever could assign a value on you. And he was willing to pay the greatest price for your soul and for mine. You see, you today are infinitely valuable in the eyes of the one whose opinion matters the most. 1 Corinthians six nineteen tells us that you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And that price was the precious life of the only begotten son of God. That Jesus Christ would come, he would leave heaven and come to earth and lay down his life so that your price could be paid, so that my sins could be forgiven. That can never lose its value to us. That should never lose its impact. The wow factor that God would die for man can never fall on deaf ears in the church of Jesus. We must always come back to the cross. We must always reacquaint ourselves with the wonder that God would die for us and the amazingness that God would say, you are incredibly valuable. In fact, you are priceless. There is no dollar amount we could put on the life of Jesus. There is no bank account that could pay it. There is no hedge fund that could cover it. There is no amount of wealth in the world that could come close to equaling the value of the blood of Jesus. And God says, I'm going to give that for you. Because when he looks at you, he sees someone of incredible value, of infinite value. The first implication of Easter is fantastic news for us. The second one sometimes is a little more disturbing. The second implication is that you are hopelessly sinful without Jesus. See, without Christ, I am hopelessly sinful. You are hopelessly sinful. You see, sin is anything that we say or do that is displeasing to God, and sin bears with it a price. It's eternal separation from God. And you and I were dead in our sins apart from Jesus. We were hopelessly sinful. If you think about this with me for a moment, God is a good God, and he is also a good father. And what good father would ever let his child die unnecessarily? What good father would ever let his son die for someone else when there was another way for him to save you? You see, there was no plan B. God could not send us a self-help book. He could not send us a life coach. He could not send us a list of rules to live by. He tried that, and it didn't work. We were not able to live up to them. You see, we were hopelessly sinful. There was only one thing that God could do, and that was send himself to die for you and I to enable Redemption to come to us, that the price of our sins could be paid. But make no mistake, without Jesus, we are hopelessly sinful. But God, out of his love, paid the highest price to fix us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to wash us, to send his Holy Spirit to live in us, to now empower us to live out the things that he asks of us and expects us to do. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for you and for me. We were hopeless, 
but God sent hope. But we must understand that Easter means that we are infinitely valuable. There is no price you could put on us because God paid the highest price, but we are also without him hopelessly sinful. And that brings us to the third ramification of Easter today. The third thing that you need to understand that Easter means for you, and it's very simply this. You got a decision to make. All of us come to a point where we must decide what are we going to do with Jesus. We are facing a decision. You see, God has done his part. He did everything he could do by sending his son Jesus to die for you and for me. And now he has put the ball in our court. He said, I'm going to honor your will. I'm going to allow you to live however you like. But I want you to know that the price has been paid. The gift is here. All you have to do is receive Jesus, and the price for your sins will eternally be taken care of. You've got a decision to make. Whose will are you going to follow? Are you going to live according to that will inside the will that all of us grow up living by, doing our own thing, living for ourselves, letting life revolve around us, our work revolve around us, our family revolve around us, our decisions, our time, our energy, everything inherently revolves around me and my ego. That's the way of human nature. Or are you going to dare to receive Jesus? Are you going to dare to embrace him as your Lord? Are you going to dare to put him on the throne of your heart and say, I'm going to now revolve around you. I'm no longer going to be the center of my own universe. But I understand there's someone greater. There's someone bigger. There's someone more important. There's someone who died for me. And I know that I'm not good enough to live for myself anymore. It's empty. It's meaningless. It doesn't work. I choose to live for you. And when we choose to do that, when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, it's an incredible feeling and an amazing decision. I was fortunate and blessed enough to be raised in a Christian home and to make that decision very early in childhood. And I wish I could stand before you today and say, since that time as a little boy, when I made that decision to put Jesus at the center of my life, that I've never strayed from it, that I've never denied him, that I've always lived up to his expectations. But if I told you that, I would be a liar. I mean, I'm probably a liar anyway, but I would really be a liar if I told you that. Uh, I haven't always lived right. I've fallen into many various forms of sin and got distracted by so many other things. And many times I find myself looking at myself and realizing that I'm creeping back up on the throne of my heart. I'm starting to live for myself and not for him again. And I constantly have to check myself. I constantly have to repent. I constantly have to recenter on him. But here's what I can tell you. In the decades that it's been since I made that decision as a little boy, there have been zero days that I've regretted it. There have been zero days where I would ever want to exchange it. There's been no point in my life where I wish I could go back and take it back. There's never been a day where I said, man, I wish I could go back and grab that little boy and keep him from praying that prayer. I've never once even thought that. Because every day of my life, despite my own failures, despite my own weaknesses, God somehow reminds me how great he is and how blessed I am to have him in my life. The peace that you discover by living for Jesus is unlike anything else. The fulfillment, the purpose, the joy, there's nothing in the world that could ever compare. And I know many of you in this room, you've made that same decision. You've experienced that same peace, that same joy, that same fulfillment, that same purpose. And I praise God for it. If you're one of those who's already made that decision, I would just tell you today, it's Easter. 
celebrate what Jesus has done. Man, this should be our day. And this should be our day on the calendar. This should be the day that we throw down. We should throw the best parties. We should have the biggest celebrations, man. This is the day for God's people to celebrate. Amen? Amen, man. We should celebrate this unlike anything else. If you've not yet made that decision, if you've not yet made Jesus Lord of your life, or or maybe you've tried to to say, Jesus, I want you to save me, and maybe I'll come to church sometimes. Maybe I'll do some stuff for you, but I'm going to live my life the way that I want to. I'm still going to be in control. If that's you, man, I challenge you. Give Jesus everything. See him as Lord, because the truth is you only have two options. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You cannot accept 10% of him. You can't just have him on Sundays. He does not present that option to us. You can't just have him when you got into a car accident and you're hoping that you're going to survive. You can't just have him when those blue lights are on and you're hoping you don't get a ticket. You can't just have him when things are going bad. He's either everything or he's nothing. You're facing a decision. Who is Jesus to you? And he very openly gives you the option of saying you're nothing to me. You can choose that option. But I dare you. I challenge you to find out what it's like to go all in on Jesus. To find out what it's like to truly embrace your Savior, not just for keeping you out of hell, but to truly embrace him as Lord. To truly see what it's like to say, Jesus, I'm yours. All of me, my hopes, my dreams, my aspiration. It's going to affect your job. It's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your personality. It's going to have some deep ramifications. But I promise you they're good. They may not always be easy, but they will always be good. They will always bless you when you choose God's way. So Easter means you are infinitely valuable. There is no price that could ever be paid greater than the one that's already been paid for you. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what life tells you. I don't care what your spouse tells you. I don't care what your parent tells you. I don't care what the mirror tells you. You are infinitely valuable to the one whose opinion matters. Without Jesus, however, you are hopelessly sinful, just like me. Without Jesus, there is no hope for us. We can never get it together. We can never do enough. We can never fix ourselves. He's the only one who can fix us. And because of that, you're facing a decision. What are you going to do with the risen Lord? Is he nothing for you? Or is he everything? And if he's everything for you today, I promise you, your life has already seen so much blessing. And if you want to take that step and make him everything, I promise you, you'll never go back and regret it. You'll never go back to this day and say, man, April 20th, 2014, what was I thinking when I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life? Why would I ever make that decision? What a fool I was. You'll never come to that place. You will always know it was the best decision you ever made. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?